Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, episode 150, 150. I feel like we should celebrate. That seems like a big number. Um, we are super excited to have Sean Greenspan on the call with us tonight. Now, Sean uh, actually was introduced to me from another friend and has been working with me and helping me on social media for a while. He paced me at Coca Dona, and actually he's now working with Joe a little bit. So he has this relationship that's going uh, multiple ways between Joe and myself. And Sean is slowly building his own little empire with social media and really just designing the life that he wants. He, he lives a, a really cool lifestyle, jumping around, um, Airbnb. He told me earlier today, he's like, oh, I'm going to be in Italy for a few months. And it's just one of those lifestyles that you hear about creating a business, creating a lifestyle. And you're like, dang, like this guy has stories to tell. And <clears throat> we are here tonight to hear those stories. So Sean, welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. How the heck are you tonight? Good to see you. <laughs> I'm good, Don. It's good to see both your guys' face. And <clears throat> I got to tell you something, uh, episode 150, but two months ago, you and me, when I paced you, we hit mile 150 in the middle of the night and you looked at me and you said, double digits left. We're at mile 150. We should celebrate. Oh, man. I, I'm glad you said, I didn't remember that. That's amazing. That's yeah, such a so cool thing. Two I'm, times this year, 150, we're celebrating. So bro, feel, feel serendipitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can. I didn't know you can count that high, but uh, <laughs> pretty good. Actually, truth is that at mile one fifty, I think he was starting to lose a little bit of his mind. So remember, yeah, remember. That might be a little hard. <laughs> uh, so Sean, you know it's fun to have you on. I met you at Cocodona, and um, that was one of those. As you know, you said the other day, one of those funny encounters. Two of us end up in an Airbnb. What the heck do we know? We start talking. Things are in sync. Lots of stories to tell. Maybe a Sally push-up challenge here or there. And, um, and you know, then you realize sometimes in life, like you feel like you know someone for a very long period of time. And so you're, you're one of the men, part of our community, and uh, we'd love to have you on. You know, just one, I was thinking about this, running in the rain this week because I was yeah. for the running in the rain thing. But episode 150, when I started this, you know, it was with Dave Proctor and never thought, everyone does this, oh, let's do a podcast and you get three episodes or 20 episodes in and then you just sort of lose your nerve and your, your will. And so uh, we're always appreciated. Anyone listens, but honestly, the most valuable thing about this i've met just amazing people throughout this journey um you know i'm just thrilled that don stepped in as my partner i love having you know three of us talk it's like we're hanging out and there's nothing more fun than that and i think we could hang out with sean together all the time by the way for your listeners you can't see this but don is sitting in the middle of the rocky mountain forest out there in silverton getting ready to Pace one of our buddies shed on the Hard Rock 100 here coming up. So um, he's not living a shabby life either. So, uh, <laughs> hey, Sean, Thanks, you know, Sean. but before we just, Don and I do all the talking here, let's introduce you to our uh, our listeners. We'd love to hear a little bit of the story. You know, like, you know, you, you are like, if we look now, you know, this wild man, endurance athlete, you eat well, do lots of crazy and fun stuff, but. Like, was that Sean when he was 10 years old? Like, what, what were you like 
early on the journey and, and how did you find your way here? Tell us. <laughs> Appreciate the question. Um, I think I like the question the most just because it's an opportunity to reflect on my, my life, you know, in, in answering it. And I like what naturally kind of comes up. Um, I would say, you know, when I think about my, you know, my upbringing, it really was all about sports. Um, I, I had, I had a great family with a lot of family activity. Um, it was all about sports and different sports. And I talked to most of my friends about now, you know, I grew up, I grew up right outside of Washington, DC. So it was football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse on a field training in a gym. Um, uh, I actually, to back it up, even, even, well, nothing backs it up sports. The day I was born, there's, there's a picture of me and my crib with a football that says my first football. So that's where, <laughs> that's where things started. But, um, you know, even before then, I, I will say there, there are some things that I really reflect on where I, I had a little bit of an obsessiveness with, um, with the power of the mind. Um, mm. I'll give you guys a sneak peek. Uh, the, the prelogue to the book that I'm writing tells this story. And I remember as a nine-year-old, I was experiencing knee pain. I was like the tallest kid in all of elementary school as a third grader. I, was, I grew young and my knees were hurting. And I went to the doctor and as a nine-year-old, they gave me like these like magnets for my knee and a brace. And they wanted me to like take pain medicine and stuff. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to rub, like I was dealing with this pain for like weeks, you know? And I told my mom, I'm going to stay up all night. I'm not going to sleep and I'm going to rub my knee all night and I'll never feel this pain again. And she was like, no, go to sleep. Like, what are you talking about? So she put me in bed and I turned the television on. I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on DVD on repeat all night. And I rubbed my knee. I, I didn't even get tired once all night long. And I never felt that, that pain again. And this was like, I got MRIs and x-rays. And like, I, I, can, I can go into like, I remember the exact magnets. Like, yeah, there's standard growing pains, like whatever. And things like that have happened since I've just been obsessed with like the power of the mind and like, look, that's not a crazy story. It's not the craziest story anyone's heard. It's like a, it's like a, it's, it just, I don't know. That's been kind of something that I've felt as a, you know, that that's followed me through life. And then going back to the sports thing, you know, sports really just instilled discipline really, you know, like I was just competitive. Like I, I wish there was some big, you know, uh, reason I wanted to, you know, stay in shape and like perform well. No, I just wanted to be the best. I just want to play ball and be the best. And that really led my whole life to finding a love for the weight room and real and, and training and conditioning and just realizing like, it's okay to like suffer, you know, it's okay to suffer for right now. Again, you know, I'm chasing tomorrow. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's completely fine to just, you know, feel pain. It's just a sensation. Um, and, you know, that led me to, I, I, I went, uh, worked corporate job after school. Um, they, they sucked me in for more years than, than I thought because, you know, corporate, we, we had fun dinners and I traveled as a 22 year old, that stuff's fun. Um, but I was always trying to, to do something, um, outside of work. I started a backpacking company, guiding company with my buddy Kieran and, uh, just trying to push myself. Like I tried out for a semi-professional football team. Then I started playing semi-professional basketball down in Chicago. Like anything I could do to just like, I wasn't going to just play pickup at the gym. I always wanted to push it. Mm -hmm. And once we started this life, it actually was convenient where me and Emma decided to live remotely about two months before COVID hit. My parents, her parents, like you guys are crazy. COVID hit. Everyone's like, oh, that's a normal thing to do now. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, we, we started living on the road and that's really, I, I hate to say COVID was such a change in my life, but they, they closed down the basketball gyms, they closed down the gyms and I started living out West. So I was like, I'm going to just run. And that's where I found a love for the trail. And I think that's a big intersection in all three of our lives is the love for the trail and the lessons you get from trail running. Cause anyone that's a trail runner will tell you it's much, much more than, than just the, the physical side of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I love that you, it seems like you kind of were, even though you might not have known it at a younger age, you've kind of been on this path of like something athletic, something active um, your whole life. And it only makes sense now that you tend to like everybody that I've met from you or see you surrounded by our athletes or in health and wellness to some degree. So like, how have you kind of taken that intention and helped it, it helped you manifest your life as it is today, knowing that that is so important. And it just seems like so many people would have just stayed in that corporate job, right? It's like, it's a paycheck. It's fun. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a job, but you, you thought differently, right? You wanted to kind of be Sean. You wanted to take your own direction and you've created this life for yourself. So what went into those steps to create the intention and now the follow through on the life you're, you're actually living and, and thriving in today? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Um, fear, definitely fear. You know, the, the, uh, I like to I like to learn from doing and experiencing. Like, for example, I'm opening up like a new division of my business that we actually opened up last Monday. And the way that I, I opened it up was I called seven people that do it now. I was like, I'll pay you a consulting fee. I don't care. Like, just tell me how to do this. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna go read an article. Like. Let's get on the phone for an hour while I take a walk or a run so like I'm stimulated and I just want to drill down to how you did that. And I started doing that with like older people. So like I really did that a lot with my grandparents, my best friend's grandparents, um, successful people. And everyone says the same thing, right? Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be on my deathbed with regrets. Right. And I was like, honestly, like I can't do it. So I went to my company and, and I said, I need to work remote and I need three times my salary. And they were like, they were like, no, like, that's a joke. But like, I get it. You know, you need something change. I'm like, no, no, that's what I need. And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. And, they, and I knew, I mean, I knew that's what they were going to say. Right. But I was like, I'm going to send it. And they're like, uh, and then I, um, when I, when I quit there, I hit the Appalachian trail for 14 days. And then I flew to Hawaii and I camped and hiked for 14 days. And I just realized that, um, I, I like, you know, I, 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 I kind of started thinking about like what I wanted to create and I was just scared of like leaving something on the table. Um, I'd say the other thing was like some of the books that I just came across or podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever are all about like manifestation and creating kind of like your life. Like, like that was like a subtle undertone that has been following me. And I was just like, like so many people are talking about like not living with intention and stuff. And, you know, I've had multiple conversations with both of you on that. And you guys know what that's like. Like so many people are, are in the backseat of their own life. I'm like, dude, like just create it, like create like what you want. It's so much easier than it seems. And Joe, like to build on what a theme that you and I have been talking about, that zero is easier to manage. You know, I've been thinking about that, that concept of absolutes recently even to the fact that like one of the things that I'm upset about is like how many hours I'm in calls, not how many hours I'm working, but how many hours I'm in calls. 
I realize it's because I have my working schedule, but I'm sometimes I, I take calls outside of that. And I realized it's because I'm trying to manage sometimes versus just managing, no, this is when I take calls, you know, anything else just doesn't fit in that window. Um, so a little, little bit of a, a roundabout answer, but I'd say a combination of fear and, uh, you know, just getting exposed to the, the law of attraction and, you know, manifestation and like really kind of diving into what that's about. Yeah, I think you just said the two words, though, fear versus attraction. I don't know that it's actually fear. I think it's being attracted to something, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which is drives you more. Actually, fear becomes disabling, actually not enabling. And so, you know, it might feel like that, but there's nothing you're really actually afraid of. I think that the, the thing that, you know, you've done well, which is the lesson for a lot of people, which is, how does one, you know, like like your backseat analogy, how does one want to measure one's life? Is it how others think or how you think? It's how you show up or how they want you to show up. Do we just acquiesce because society wants to drive us to some mean where we're all just sort of average? Or, you know, is it, and usually the issue is the people closest to us are the obstacle. It's not the admirers from afar who are like, oh, wow, that's amazing you're in that race or did that challenge or climb Mount Everest or whatever. And so remembering that the number one priority in life is ourselves, number two is our family, number three is our work, is a hard lesson to learn. You seem to have done a good job with that. And so, you know, I think the, you know, the question, you know, like, of course, you've dug in a bunch with other people. Um, where, Where do you feel like you're getting your inspiration from? You know, like, what is it that you know, creates sort of your curiosity and your desire to go forward? Where does that happen? I I think it's built over time, you know, because I, I will say um, it's it's strong now. So it's a, it's a little bit annoying, but I wake up every morning and I whip the blinds open and I look at Emma every morning. I'm like, life is too fucking good to sleep in. I seven, I mean, seven days a week, I'm up, you know, four forty-five on Saturday, like, and you know, I'm not, we don't need to go down the discussion of the importance of sleep. I try to get my eight hours, but, um, you know, I, it's, uh, I, I think it's like, you know, anything you like, if you try to get to the bottom of people that are successful, people that are in philosophy, psychology, like there's such basic principles and, you know, like this law of like manifestation and attraction that I'm like obsessed with is broken down. And like one of the main pillars is gratitude, right? Like being just so grateful what you have. And um, there's actually an author, Dan Millman, who I had on, on my podcast that talked to me about, it's not enough to think some way you need to behave some way. And like so many people say, no, I am grateful. I'm like, show me, you know what I mean? Like if you're grateful for life, wake up early and seize the day. You know what I mean? Like if you're grateful for, if you're grateful for your body, go take a hike. If you're grateful for your family, fly out and go spend a weekend with them and put your cell phone down, like sh- express and behave gratefully. Don't mm. say you're grateful. Um, and the more that I would like read about successful people, happy people, um, it was just being grateful. And then, you know, it's a lot of little daily practices, like as corny as it sounds like waking up and saying every morning that like life is too good to sleep in. Like that is like an an energy that like you're bringing to the table. My life coach always tells me a vision is not a place to get to. It's an energy to come from. And that's really what I, 
I'm trying really hard to embody like every day, you know, to, to be like completely honest, today was a day that I was on way too many calls. I woke up, like I hit the, I was in the gym at 5am to seven. I'm, I'm going to do something fun, but I'm busy after this. And just like all of us, this is a fun podcast I've been looking forward to. And I had that little voice in my head, like, damn, it's another like obligation. And like, I'm the type of person that instantly, like I t- like, like you might think I'm crazy if you saw me in my house. I'm like, cancel, cancel that thought. Like, no, this is like two amazing people I get to learn from. I get to be myself on, on their show. Like this can like live forever. It can help people like, you know, all the good things that can come out of it, bring those into perspective and like, and then behave that way, you know, like set up, you know, your lighting, your camera, like, you know, whatever you need to do. I did a little breath work before so I could be sharp and like as attentive as possible, like just behave gratefully. And um, those little things I think stack up over time to making you hungry for what else there is out there in life and growing your curiosity. I, I really want to dig into an element that you just shared that, that today you had a lot of meetings and like nobody likes days, a day full of meetings. And I don't know about you too, but it is clear as day when you're in a meeting with somebody that you know that they do not want to be here. So from your experience in a day that you don't necessarily want to be at the meetings, like what are your best practices, Sean, that like you're going to ground yourself, you're going to center yourself so that you're present in those meetings because right, you have a business to run. You can't show up to those meetings and be like, wow, this guy clearly doesn't want to be here. Um, So just, Joe and I are both in meetings all day too. So just give us your best practices. What have you learned from your life coach and self-experimentation that, that, you know, all of our listeners, me, myself, and, and Joe can, can take tomorrow and implement before a meeting that we might not want to attend. Yeah. Um, so something that I, I have is I have an, I try to, um, I work like seven to three. So I have an alarm on my phone at two fifty five every day that says commit to tomorrow's schedule. So I just roll, roll through the schedule and something I just started, I started actually, I've had the alarm for a while, but I just started actually doing <laughs> is I will cancel meetings if I'm not, or, or decline if I don't plan to bring my like a hundred percent. Um, so that, that's one thing. So it's like, so then you just come into the day and you don't need to like run through, like you're just, you understand the meeting. Sometimes it's as far as what I will do is like, I'll write down every meeting and the objective of the meeting. You know, something like that. So it's like, cool. Now I have, now I'm committed. Now I have intention. Um, biggest thing for me, honestly, is uh, putting my phone, uh, do not disturb and out of, out of reach. Like sometimes people will catch me on, on calls. I'll just do, I'll throw my phone behind me on like a couch or something. And I'm just like, like, I, you know, I am not better than human psychology. Neither are you guys. Like, we don't have willpower. That's not a thing we have. You know, willpower, well, we do, but it's limited and we use ours on the trail, right? So like, why would I put my phone here? Which the only thing it's going to do is distract me from the meeting, have me send like a half-assed text or email, but then it's also going to wire my brain to say, hey, it's okay not to be uh, focused, present, intentional. That, that's okay. Like, we're building that neurological pathway right? Okay. Let's, you know, let's be more scatterbrained versus like, you know, um, even like little stuff like this, like having the phone recording, like me from this angle where I know I can't like touch it. It's great. You know, it's just like, there's like nothing to distract me. You know, I'm sitting here. And, um, again, another dorky thing I do is 
like on a video call, I drag it out. So there's no tab open, right? Because otherwise I can see my email go from nine to 34 on an hour call. And I'm like, I should see what's happening. (laughs) Um, Cancel out of Slack, all that stuff. It's good. I think we, you know, some practices we adopt, we try them, we use them, they work. Sometimes they don't over time. You know, there's uh, some best practices and learning from others is great. You know, I thought that the idea of meetings and work and time are all sort of somewhat intertwined. And, you know, um, I think the thing that is really important about the segue of intention is to put yourself in a place where you would get some return from that. You know, when you're I made this sort of attempt to hang out with smart people. Well, how did I do that? I watched a thousand Ted talks so that I could hang out with a thousand smart people for 20 minutes each and learn from them. You know, it was all on the treadmill. So it was sort of not that hard to do, but I think that that's a, a, another part of what can keep you interested is, you know, who are you spending the time with versus marking the time? That's one. But the other side, and I think this is important to comment on, is that there are times where we need to spend time with others so they can benefit from having been with us. And so there is a balance to that because you can't just always disregard because other people want to hang out with Sean or Don, and you might not be getting much out of it, but you're giving. So, Sean, how do you balance that then? Because there are people who would like to be with you, and you're like, but I don't want to be in a meeting. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, first of all, Thousand TED Talks, you're, you are just an absolute master at just setting goals and knocking them out. You're like, yeah, it's not that. You, it's because you're a matter of fact and like you just look at like, yeah, I run a lot. Cool. 20-minute TED Talks, run an hour a day, 333 days, watching a TED Talk every day. Boom. Like you, you're just like a, a robot with that. That's awesome. Um, I had this call. I had this this morning or this afternoon. So I was in calls um, from 7 to uh, 2.30. And at 2.32, Becca called me, a new full-time hire I just hired. And I looked at it and I was like, I was about to go take off for a run, guys. I was, and I said, you know what? Like, this is someone that's going to work for me full-time. Like, this is, she, this is her third day. She started on Monday. Like, not only – I picked up and I said, Becca. Like, I, so, so I thought about that. Um, I did think about the selfish side of it, that me investing in her is going to help. But I also thought like, this is literally like, you really just, it goes back to like gratitude, like, and and I guess understanding the full picture, I'm like, this is literally her full-time job. She's 50 hours into this job and I'm her, her boss, the the owner of the company. Like, so I picked up, I said, Becca, I'd love to see your face. Let's FaceTime. So we FaceTime for 30 minutes and I, and I sat there and was like staring into the camera. I told myself, I'll give it a half hour. You know, of course, she was ready to keep chatting. I was like, Becca, got to roll. So, um, and then she texted me after that, like, like some work and some questions. And I saw him like a Slack thread. She was going crazy with someone else. It's like, there's so much benefit. And maybe that is a selfish way to think about it. But, um, you know, that like I'm getting benefit from it too. Um, but, you know, I was just, I don't know. There's generally a benefit for you, even if you are purely just giving. I mean, giving feels pretty damn good, you yeah. know. Um, and then also just putting yourself in their shoes. Like again, like this is her like her life, you know. Like she's she's 24. She probably told her parents she got a new job. Like you know, like you, like what am I going to not pick up the phone? I don't know. 
just no. made me feel not human. I like it. So, I, you're you're talking a lot about business and and your your work and, and your intentions that you set and and you just mentioned that you know you you crossed this boundary. You're about to go for a run. You didn't, and and then you, I'm sure you did go for a run. So I'm 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 always fascinated by people that are high performers in business and also high performers in athletics and understanding the crossover of mindset and lessons learned that. I can learn X, Y, and Z in business and apply it to running. I can learn this in running and apply it to business. So tell me how, like, how do you look at running? Like, does that supplement, does it like grow, complement your business side? And like, just how do you work through that relationship as a runner, as an athlete, as a, you know, a guy that can probably posterize me at the basketball any day of the week? Like, tell us how that life fits with your life as a business owner. Yeah. Um, that, you, you asked a really good, like you, in there, you asked a, a really fun question. You said, how does running support your business? I don't know, like, I don't know if that's the word for word, what you said, but, um, Jessica Zwig is a New York Times bestselling author, a, a client and a really good friend of mine. And she told me something that she told me, you are an asset, invest in yourself, Right. The more that you invest in yourself, the more that you can grow. Um, I also, as I kind of like am leading along with this like manifestation theme, I really am uh, spiritual and believe that like, you know, the energy, energy transmutes through vibrations. And one of the huge things is self-love and, you know, eating healthy, sleeping right, taking care of your body is is love is is love and it's you investing in yourself and it's it's exactly along that line of treating yourself as like an asset and i like i'm going through so much of this right now that it's like it's just a great time to talk about this because the last four weeks i have been doing so much to like try to grow and live at like a higher level and for the first this is like like I've had like an explosion of new business from zero outreach, like random people have just been like, like calling me like, Hey Sean, like, you know, I want to work together. And like, you know, I want to start now. Like they don't want proposals. Like they're just like ready to go. And I've been journaling about it and like reflecting on it. And it really, in my opinion, just comes down to like holding myself at like a, a higher level. There's a book that I just read for the sixth time. I couldn't recommend it anymore. It's called the secrets of the millionaire mind. Um, by T. Harv Ecker. And it is about basically like you need to grow yourself if you want to, you know, grow in business, grow your finances, grow your health, like anything. So, you know, what to, to break this down and be tactical for you guys or whoever's listening, um, I had a 90 minute run today, right? And, and I knew I had to eat dinner. So I wanted to get back at five, shower, eat dinner, get on this at 5.30. 90 minute run with a little warm up. I could not leave later than 3.15. She called me at 2.30 and I said, I'll talk till three. That gives me 15 minutes to kind of change, get ready. If she did call me at three, I probably would have, that's where I would have like drawn the line because like the run's not negotiable and I don't run with a cell phone. I don't run with a watch that I get. Those are like, those are not negotiables. Now, I'm not saying running with us out a cell phone is important. That doesn't matter at all. It's just establish your non-negotiables and like live by them, right? 
um, by me talking to her, there was other work that slipped, right? Stuff that was due today. That's okay. I have to run, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I try to, you know, like, my, like I have my checklist of things. No one needs to hear them. Um, but yeah, I try to like, like my checklist, there's certain non-negotiables and like, you know, daily movement twice a day. Those are things that just won't get compromised. That's good. Takes a while to figure those out. Um, You know, like we always joke, right? There's 168 hours in the week. That's a lot. You know, you eat some up sleeping. Then, you know, you get your things you want to do, the things that are necessary. Um, But the more, you know, back to that, maybe that zero mentality, which is that it's just, you don't see, I think, you know, Sean, you and I were talking the other day that if you allow emotion to creep in, then judgment changes and the decisions might change. And so if something's important, then that's why you actually don't actually bring emotion into it because you already decided, right? That's the key in that point that you're making. I decided that this run is what matters to me in this 24 hour period. And so would be as important as brushing your teeth or, you know, eating your food and going to sleep. And so I think it's just for all of us is just to figure out which ones those are. You know, if you had children, maybe it's, you know, making sure you're there to pick them up at the end of the school day, if that's what's necessary, whatever those are that are most important at our time. And I think that that prioritization is really, really key, you know, because it does Mm -hmm. ebb and flow in our lives. And not meant to be exactly the same every day for the next 50 years but the intentions and the execution is meant to be the same so very very well done um you know the other thing that uh you and i were talking about the other day which i think would be worth listening to uh, for our listeners here is this idea of this happiness idea right which is that happiness is intrinsic it's up to us i think a lot of people feel like they can't be happy you know, for whatever the reason. And it's sort of, I always sort of felt that I was sort of sad because like, you don't need to ask permission to be happy, right? You can just be. And so tell, tell us a little bit about your thinking on the topic of happiness and how you incorporate that into your life. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's, it starts like foundationally at, like kind of like what you're going for. And I think a lot of us, a lot of the things that we're optimizing for are, is, is a good life experience, memories, friends, you know, and a good way to just tell what a good life is, experience is, is just check in, take some deep breaths. Does it feel good in your body or do you feel tension in your fists and your hands, right? Um, and really just understanding, you know, what, what feels good, um, and like what you're, you're optimizing for is pretty important. So if you decide that, you, you know, you want to be happy, right. Um, there's, there's two things that come to mind for me. One is that going back to what Dan Millman, um, said, what I talked about earlier is like, you don't have to feel happy to behave happily, right? You can smile hold the door for someone, say, thank you so much. Dance. You know, um, I saw Jesse Itzler talk at a conference and he was talking about, um, 
how uh, how someone coached him through like a hundred miler where he was supposed to like passionately say, I feel outstanding out loud every mile. And, you know, and he went so far and told like the deep story of at mile 79 on his first hundred miler, his pacer, um, a guy who ran at the Coconut 250 done said, he goes, look, I'm going to let you walk to the next aid station. But when we get there, you're going to tell him the secret of Jesse. And he goes, what's the secret of Jesse? He goes, you're going to whisper to the woman, it's crazy, man. I just don't get tired. And you're going to say it like that with all your energy. And it's funny, like do that and try to be tired. Go, go give someone a huge hug. Tell, look them in the eye, tell them you love them and you appreciate them and try not to feel good. Like your behavior can actually cause, you know, your feelings. I mean, not actually, obviously. Right. Um, you know, so b- just behaving certain ways, even if we don't want to, just like taking a run when your your legs are sore, right? It's just doing what you're supposed to do um, is definitely top of mind. The other one, I guess, is um, choosing to be in like the driver's seat of life, right? Like a lot of people think life happens to them versus doing it. And it, I, I, I genuinely understand where, where people come from. It's a very scary thought to feel empowered, right? Because it attacks our ego, right? If I told you that you're responsible for everything in your life and something bad happens, that's hard to handle as a, as a man, as a woman, whatever. But once you come to grips with that, right? It's like you, you're, you're in control. You're in the driver's seat. Like whatever you want to feel or create, you, you can, um, and that is why, you know, like my, my podcast, my blog and the book I'm going to write is titled The Happiness Discipline because everything that happens in life is neutral. It just is. That's an ancient stoic philosophy that's been around for 2,200 years. And you get to choose, you know, if something is positive or not. And just to have the wherewithal and the, the bandwidth to constantly choose happiness, um, every little choice, even when you're up and down in life, um, that's, you know, it, it's a big discipline. So that's kind of the, the happiness discipline, as I call it. <laughs> so Sean, there's a there's a really great book that I hope you've read it. And if you haven't, um, it's called uh, Broadcasting Happiness. And I've, I've heard this woman speak a few times, but it's all about how our actions and words can not only make us feel better, but if you've if you're the happy guy, it's hard to be upset around somebody that's really happy. And it just talks a little bit about how, you know, one person that says, you know what, screw it. I've had a really terrible day, but I'm alive. The sun is shining and I get to do this. Like that effect can ripple out and it is a broadcast, right? It's, it's everyone around you can feel that it's palpable when somebody is like, damn, this dude is so happy. What is he doing that I'm not? Right. It is like there is something about it. And there's like whatever. I've had people call me a happy idiot before, like because I'm just like they think I'm just not smart enough to know what's going on. It's like, no, I know exactly what's going on. I just am not going to let it totally derail (laughs) my day. Um, So so be a happy idiot, I guess, is the the moral of that story. I I do. I absolutely love that. And you're right. People think negative emotions um, are the strongest ones. Love is the strongest frequency on the planet, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we could definitely dive into frequencies. But um, the other thing is something beautiful about being so positive, Don, uh, is you're going to uplift others, right? 
Um, And if you don't, if someone is just fighting, this is a little cruel, crude, both, I guess. Um, (laughs) But it weeds people out of my life. Okay, so there are some people that are close to me that when I try to act happy, even if I'm not trying to change them, they challenge me. And I say, I say, okay, you know, I don't think I could spend as much time with you, you know, not because I want to be right. It's because I want to be happy. I want to be free. I want my energy to flow. Um, you know, it's just, I just want to be around open-minded people, energetic people, healthy people. <laughs> oh, Joe, it looks like you're on mute. All right. Thank you. Uh, Don told me this, if you're in a race and you're smiling, there's no one on the side of the road who couldn't smile back. And so I was running the Boston Marathon and, you know, Heartbreak Hill is the last hill, but there's five hills leading up to it. And there's just a lot of people. And so I decided I would try out Don's advice and I ran next to the curb, like, so I'd be close to people. And all I did was smile up these hills and then up Heartbreak. You wouldn't imagine the positive reaction was literally as if I was the celebrity of all celebrities. They were like, look at how happy that guy is. And they were cheering <laughs> on and smiling back. And But if I had had my head down and sort of fussing along the way, they would have kept having their beer and paying attention to whatever the heck they were doing. Instead, I co-opted thousands of people to push me up the hill and by the time I got to the top of Heartbreak Hill, it wasn't that bad. So this thing really does work. It's great. You were the happy idiot, right? People were like, yeah, happy idiot. like, why was he smiling going up Heartbreak Hill? Isn't he know that's supposed to be hard? Yeah, it was. Dude, but it was more fun I, to smile. My, my friend Charlie in Milwaukee, we used to run hill sprints. And he'd say, I don't care how slow you go. You cannot show the pain on your face. Mm. You just can't. You know, they taught again, going back to like stuff. When I think about that, even though Charlie was the first thing that came up to my mind, it's my basketball coach, Coach Griffin, used to tell me, he's like, don't let him see your pain. You can be tired. That's fine, Sean, but you mm. can't let them see it. You know, and I look at any physical, any physical thing as a mental battle. And like, if you can learn to run up Heartbreak Hill at Boston Marathon and smile, you can then maintain your composure when you're in an argument with your children, your wife, your business partner, you know, when you're in an argument with all three of them at the same time and you got bills to pay, like you can maintain your composure because whatever, you know, you, you've been to the bottom of the barrel and been able to hold it. Right. And that's why training hard, ice baths, whatever, all this stuff that puts extreme stress on the body is stuff that like needs to be religiously implemented into people. Um, it's also why I'm a believer that everyone needs to train to their maximum capacity every day. Now, it doesn't have to be – you don't have to lift the same muscle group or run hard every day, but you need to dig to the bottom of the barrel seven days a week, any age. I had a, a fun argument with my grandma about that about a month ago. <laughs> I, what, what was it? Tell us more. I, I feel like you can't Good. just serve that up and uh, not tell us she goes, the argument. She so I'm, I, I might sign up for a hundred miler in seven weeks, which is something we should talk about. But um, my grandma was like, why do you want to do this? It's just to, so you can say you did it. I'm like, no, grandma. Like, and I explained to her like all that. And she was like, I can't. Well, she's like, that doesn't make sense. I can't go run a hundred miles. I was like, of course not. But you should sit on a, rec- she's 86. I'm like, you should sit on a recumbent bike, grandma, and bike for 20 minutes as hard as you can. Whether that's this or you're, or you're cranking, it doesn't matter. Whatever's hard for you, 
but you need to hit a threshold where you, your brain says you should stop and you say like, thank you for sharing. I'm going to go into manual mode and just take <laughs> over and just, I mean, I know you guys know about sometimes uh, fighting that voice inside. <laughs> Amen to that. So Will, tell, tell us about this, this tease on this 100-mile race. Where an interesting might happen? Well, you guys will be my first two calls because I'll need some pacers. But um, <laughs> the Cascade 100 starts in it starts a quarter mile from my house. Um, oh. I, uh, you guys are mainly the reason I'm doing it. So oh, Don, Don, you know, May 1st, I was supposed to run 31 miles with Don. And the weekend before I was in Nashville. So I signed up for a marathon, ran it, was not in shape for it. But I was like, all right, I feel good. Ran with Don. And then, uh, you know, Joe, I was running with you. So I kind of trained and ran. And mm-hmm. over the last six weeks, I've done, I've done two 26-mile marathons and two 50K marathons and or 50k ultras like just training runs or running with you guys or whatever Mm -hmm. um so i feel like i have a good base um and i felt like i have a good base and this race is in seven weeks so i ran a marathon on saturday on the course um and i felt pretty good and um it's called the cascade 100 it's not you know it's it's a western state qualifier um, which doesn't really mean anything to me besides it's going to be overly crowded. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do another long run here soon. And if I feel good, I think I'm going to send it and then immediately call you guys and say, I need pacers. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's awesome. I love, right. So you're, you're doing hard things. You're, you're, you're challenging yourself and then you're kind of, intentionally signing up for something that is making it even harder on yourself. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not like you're, Oh, I'm going to do this race next year. I have plenty of time to train. I can plan it. I can, I can, you know, methodically go about this. You're like, you know what? Screw it. Like, as you said before, send it like, let's, let's go. You, you believe in yourself that you can challenge that. And I, I tell people this all the time is I don't have a single elite skill set other than my mindset. And, um, you know, that was definitely challenged at Cocodona more than 10 times probably, but like I tr- running on a treadmill for 24 hours, right. That doesn't take any skills other than just refusal to get off. So I, I, I just, I really, really relate to that idea of like, screw it. Like, I know I could be better prepared for this at some point in my life, but live your life and go now. So, mm-hmm. um, just, I just commend you for just just jumping in and doing it because I, I love that mentality so much. So no, we're losing Don a little bit there, Sean. I know. I think his, uh, Don, we lost. Bummer, I was rolling too, there. guys. I was rolling. Um, no, I just, I, I was just saying, I commend you for, um, for just jumping into that. That's, that's, I just love that mindset and that mentality. Appreciate, I appreciate that. You guys are definitely some of my role models in, in that area. I mean, I saw I saw both you guys in the last two months dig. I think I caught you both at some of your low points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had the you had the hedgehog miles with me. The hedgehog miles. You know, <laughs> people have been asking me about it lately, and I said that you know the probably the biggest feeling that you have when you do one of these hundred mile races is you want the pain to stop, but you're never going to quit. And so yep. you know, it's like there is that. It's not like you wanted to continue you're like 
you wish there was a way out of it, but the only way out of it is the finish line. And it's a great debate and dialogue to have in one's heart and soul. And so that you can't find other ways, you know, I mean, the Navy SEALs go and do it on SEAL Beach and Coronado and other people find their ways, but it is triggering a system that doesn't operate sitting on the couch, which I think is what you found out. And I know, Sean, we are going to keep true to your commitments here. So we're not going to keep you all night long. The the thing that, uh, you know, you made some reference before, we love this idea of chasing tomorrow, not because we're not happy with the present, but because it's about a spirit and a feeling. So close this out with, you know, oh, you just told us you're thinking of 100. How else does Sean think about chasing tomorrow? Yeah. Um, first of all, I love your clarification on chasing tomorrow because I was going to, one of the questions I was going to ask was about what it was because I think I see both sides to it. I see like, you got like, you know, the, 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 the chase to something amazing, but also the like, hey, today's pretty good too. Um, so I love, I think just from that last sentence, I, lo- I love how you guys are thinking about it. Um, absolutely the number one focus in my, in my life is to uh, create a business that requires a certain number of hours from myself and delivers a certain quality of service um, so that I can create capacity in my life for other things. That is my number one priority. Um, so I have a six-month roadmap of basically bringing in consultants to audit everything that like we're doing now and make sure that we're doing it. Like audit the processes, the quality, the people, everything. Make sure that everything we're doing is the top quality and then develop systems and protocols around it and then scale up what we're doing because my goal to myself, my, my big chasing tomorrow is on January 14th, uh, 2024, I'm going to uh, hire a general manager at Greenspan Consulting and be involved in the strategy of every client but step back from the day-to-day. And what that's going to allow me to do is explore things that I've been trying to juggle because I've been trying to write this book. I have 180 pages in a Word document that has been since 2020. And, you know, I haven't prioritized that. You know, I have a podcast that I think could do so much more. And I don't have the time to do all of these things, like expand my retreat business, keep running these hundreds. So I decided I need to create capacity in my life and I need to prioritize things. And it's been difficult. But once you, I I take that back. Once you get clarity on the goal, it becomes really, really simple. Like our friends, hey, do you want to get dinner? No, I actually need to get something done for tomorrow because it's going to help us, me create this business that's going to help me create this life. And finding out what I wanted to do and prioritize was a challenge. But once I realized that, hey, I want to do all these things and I'll have time for them. But first, I need to create more space in my life because right now, you know, I'm 60 hours a week working. Um, so like that is my big chasing tomorrow is creating capacity in my life um, and setting up my business to have the best in class service protocols and people to, to grow. Wow. Sean, I, I, I love that. I, it, I, I, I use this quote as, as often as I can because I think it's amazing. And you just, you just summed up the essence of it. And it's Nick Saban saying that like, athletes and kids today have the illusion of having all of these choices but if you want to be great you really don't have many choices and i think it's like it's basically sums up what you just said right it's like 
you you have the goal and you know exactly what it's going to take you can't go out you know partying and and miss out on this stuff so you know kudos to you for knowing that kudos to you for the direction you've been on for for what you've created for the life you've created for yourself and um man i'm i'm really excited to follow along in your journey and uh i can't wait to uh, check in on january 14th 2024 and uh see this next big step in your career and your business so uh congratulations on everything and thanks, thanks Sean. We have a great one tonight. Have fun playing with guys. I, I, I appreciate it. And I just want to thank you guys so much for having me and for being such an inspiration. And if you get a text that says fly to Oregon, Bend, Oregon, right. August 27th, get on a flight, guys. All right. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs>